Hello, everybody. Welcome to Service Dog Diaries. My name is Morgan, and I have a service dog in training named Captain, and I wanted to create a podcast all about and all for the service dog community. So, like I said, I have a service dog in training named Captain, and he is about a year old. He is a psychiatric trained service dog, and we've been both working really hard to grow together as a team and train really hard. So I kind of wanted to tell a little bit about my story, what I think about the podcast, and where I see this going, and what you guys can expect from me. So, since this podcast is called Service Dog Diaries, I hope to include a lot of other stories from other teams and a bunch of different type of service dogs too, so not just psychiatric service dogs. When I was first learning about the service dog community, I learned about guide dogs and um, like police dogs, a ton. There's so many different working dogs. So I'd love to be able to interview a bunch of different people that have working dogs. Sorry, you can hear Captain scratching in the background. Um, But I would just like this to be kind of informative and for other people. (laughs) Captain, stop. Um, Sorry about that. I just want it to be kind of informative and so that other people can learn too because I only really know about the psychiatric service dog side of the community, which is great, but I hope this to be like, I hope this podcast can be informative and we can kind of learn from each other and build like a community too. Also, I know that there's not a lot of podcasts about service dogs, so I kind of thought this one would be a fun one to start because over the last two years, I've learned so much about the community. I feel like I have a lot of knowledge that I can share with everybody, and I've made some wonderful connections in this community. So I'm really looking forward to this. So I'm going to plan to do about one episode every week, hopefully, if I have enough spoons for it. Um, and some of those will be interviews or just discussions with other people that have different service dogs and Um, kind of what they're struggling with or what they're succeeding at, different things like that. So, that being said, some of my podcasts may have trigger warnings in them. I want this to be an open forum where people can feel comfortable listening, so I'll try my best to alert ahead of time if there's something that I'm going to be talking about that could be a little bit triggering to some people. But I hope that to keep this podcast something that everybody can listen to. But I want you to know that if there's a certain trigger you have, feel free to reach out to me and message me about it um, because I want to keep this, like like I said, a positive community and a positive podcast. So now that we got the boring stuff out of the way, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about myself and my story and how it led me to finding a service dog. So I am from Annapolis, Maryland, and I grew up between Severna Park and Annapolis, kind of between the two. We moved to Annapolis when I was in second grade, and I had a very loving family growing up. I have a sister who is basically like my best friend now. Um, We fought a little bit growing up, but all in all, my family was great. My parents really supported me. It was a really loving family. Of course, we still had our difficulties, but for the most part... My whole childhood was filled with love, which I'm very grateful and thankful for every day. So we moved, like I said, in second grade, and I went to various various, um, small private schools throughout the area. And 
I was doing well. I I was a good student. I really loved school, and I I love the schools that I went to and the teachers that I had too. Were all very supportive. So around like fifth or sixth grade, I started to become a mother's helper because I knew that I wanted to be a babysitter. And I feel like every girl in my grade wanted to be a babysitter too. It's just funny to look back and think about that now. So I started as a mother's helper, which for those of you that don't know, it's essentially a babysitter, but you are there with the kids while the mom or dad is in the house. So you're essentially in charge of the kids. You have all the responsibilities of a babysitter, except for the fact that a parent is there if things go wrong. And also legally, you can't babysit or be alone with kids until you're 13, So a lot of kids, I think, start around like 11 or 12 is when you can start being a mother's helper and just helps you work your way up for babysitting. So I was a mother's helper for this family about five minutes away uh, from my house in Annapolis. So I think it was seventh grade. Um, They asked me, I was 13, so... I'd been babysitting for them a little bit during the day, but this was like my first full late night babysitting job. And I was super excited because I got along with the family great. The kids were so good. The family was so kind. And, um, sorry, it's just a little bit difficult to talk about this story, but I'm going to do my best to get through it because I want you guys to know about me and open up to to tell you guys why I got my service dog. So... It was, I probably put the kids to bed around eight, between eight and nine. I can't really remember exactly, but I just knew the parents were going to be home at 1030. So I watched a movie on Netflix and it probably ended around 1015. And so I was just sitting in the living room, like playing on my phone, just waiting for the parents to get back. So the house, it had pretty much kind of an open floor plan. So from the kitchen, you could see the living room and then from the living room, you could see the kids room. So Everything was pretty much connected and um, everything was like close in proximity. So I was laying in the living room, just on the couch, finishing my show, finishing the whatever movie I was watching, and I heard a noise in the kitchen. And the kitchen is connected to the backyard, so I knew that it wasn't the parents because I knew that the parents would have come in the front door, which is connected to the living room. So my thought is, oh my gosh, like, there's somebody in this house that's not supposed to be here. So at this point, I'm internally freaking out. And I think I had read, uh, like, Seventeen magazine from a few weeks before that had said that a woman was talking about how she, her house that she was in got broken into and how she kind of saved herself by hiding. So my first thought is, oh my gosh, I need to hide. Somebody's in this house. But because it was a smaller house, um, or not smaller, but you could see every, like, it was all connected. I knew that I could not get up because whoever was in the kitchen could see me. So what I did was I just laid down and I pulled the blanket that was on the couch just on top of me and I just laid completely still. So I heard a few more noises in the kitchen, um, some opening drawers and, like, slamming drawers and then they stopped and I heard footsteps walking over to me and this was the most terrifying noise I've ever heard in my life it's literally like a horror movie when you hear it then so I just I just was laying on the couch underneath the blanket just holding my breath and just hoping that like I wasn't about to die 
So I just, like I said, I was just laying there and then the footsteps stopped. So I knew that whoever it was was right in front of me. And then I felt somebody yank my arm and then pull me up. So the blanket like came off and then I was like standing and it was a man. And he grabbed my arm and just kind of like cussing at me like, what the are you doing here? Like, and so I yelled at him like, get out of the house. And I pushed past him and then I ran to the kids room. So I was running down the hallway and then I opened the door and I closed it, locked it and just pressed myself up against it. And the kids were passed passed out asleep. And my first thought was, oh my God, I need to call my mom. I don't know why I didn't think first, like, oh my gosh, call 911. I just called, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to call my mom. So I called my mom and I was like, mom, there's somebody in the house. Please come over. And she said, call 911. So I hung up and I'm still pressing my body up against the door. And I called 911 and the operator stays on the phone with me for the whole time and is basically asking me questions about where I am. And the funny thing is that the kids didn't wake up the whole time and I was in hysterics. Like I was sobbing. I was, I was terrified and the kids just didn't wake up at all. And I, I'm sure I was like screaming on the phone just cause I was so scared. But, um, one of the little, one of the kids I was, I was babysitting, I'm not going to say their names just because they still don't know that this is happening. But, um, one of the kids that I was babysitting woke up just enough to hear me, but not to comprehend what I was saying. So I asked the kid what their address was, and they were able to tell me, and I was able to give it to the phone, to 911 on the phone, so the police were able to come. And um, a few minutes later, I I don't know how this happened, because the whole rest of the part is just a blur. I'm not sure if the police had come into the house or if I had left the room, but I think I waited until I could hear the police saying my name and just saying that it was okay until I came out of the room. So I came out of the room, and... Um, I think I, I think my mom might have said this later, but it was funny because I think my mom pulled up at the same time that the police did, so she might have, like, run into the house and they might have, like, been a little bit confused, like, oh my gosh, is this the person that broke in? But I'm not sure that that's entirely correct. I think I remember my mom saying that, but if so, I just have this, like, funny memory of my mom doing that, um, even though I was just in the kids' room, I wouldn't have seen it, but it's just, it, and lightens the situation a little bit. So... Um, the police come into the house and so does my mom and we sit out in the, like, in the front, kind of close to the living room and there's a police officer sitting with us. A bunch of other police are looking throughout the house and looking outside too. So I tell the officer what happened and my mom sits there with me and the family pulls up a few minutes later and I didn't call the family just because I was literally on the phone with 911 the whole time. So I'm sure they must have shut up and been so worried because there's like a bunch of police in front of their house um so yeah which I'm sure would have freaked me out if I was a parent too so the family comes in and and they're sitting with the police we're able to all talk about what happened and I'm able to fill them in and I just it was terrifying and thankfully I'm pretty sure that the police brought police dogs which is funny since this podcast is going to be about working dogs And they were able to find the person in the bushes outside of the house. So, upon further investigation, they found out that he was at a party down the street and was just very intoxicated and ended up at this house, thinking it was the house that the party was at. So, he barged in and, um, I guess was just very intoxicated and very confused So, 
I'm just glad to know that now because I know that he didn't have bad intentions. While he just made a bad choice, it's not like he was trying to... It's not like he was intentionally trying to harm me anyway. He was just confused. But I couldn't really understand that at the time because I was in middle school. So after that, after that night, I just went to bed and I was exhausted. And I'm pretty sure my sister had a birthday party that night too because my mom was like watching her her friends at the house for her birthday party and then I just remember getting home and just like not even wanting to talk to them because I was just so shaken up so I go to bed and a couple days pass and then I I'm not sure how I figured this out but I learned that I might have to testify against this man in court if he didn't plead guilty which remember at the time I was 13 so this is all, like, really scary. Like, you're going through puberty, that like, you already, like, have low self-esteem, and then imagine, like, having to go to court as, like, a 13-year-old and testify against this guy that, like, terrified you, that, like, you thought you were gonna die. But thankfully, I got a letter from, I guess, him through his lawyer. And some of these details are a little bit fuzzy on how these things got to me, but just since it was so long ago and I was so young... Um, essentially saying that he was very sorry he was pleading guilty so that I wouldn't have to go into court and that he was getting help, which is all great things. Um, so I didn't go to trial. I didn't care to push charges against him myself just because I was so young. My parents were kind of like, I don't know if she needs to do that. Um, and I think he ended up being charged with some form of assault because he grabbed my arm some form of breaking and entering, and I think he was supposed to do community service and go to, I think, some alcohol courses, like Alcohol Anonymous or something like that. So, that's essentially the outcome of that, but I remember getting these pamphlets in the mail from, I would assume, what was, like, the government explaining what would happen if I had to go to court and, like, how to get over a traumatic situation, and I didn't think much of it at the time because... You know, my, my parents really emphasized, like, this is a one-time event. Like, this probably will not ever happen to you again in your life. It was just kind of a freak accident. And that's kind of how I coped with it and thought about it at the time. So, I didn't seek any sort of counseling after it happened. And I just kind of let it go. And um, I didn't know that it would kind of snowball and get bigger than what it actually was. And I'm able to talk about this now and how things are connected because I've spent years now in therapy talking about it. So um, I'm trying to like explain retroactively what had happened, but now looking back at it, I have a much bigger picture so I can kind of talk about how one thing led to the other. So I continue to babysit and there were a couple other instances where I remember just being like very scared at night, like at other houses that I was babysitting in, like being so scared that I wouldn't want to leave the room that I was in because I was so terrified that this would happen again. But thankfully, I didn't really have any more of those instances. There were a couple instances where there was just like a mix up on who would be in the house, which obviously terrified me, but it wasn't anything as dramatic as what had happened before. So for high school, I'm just going to like jump a little bit ahead. I ended up going to a public school, and I had been in private all my life. And the public school by my house wasn't the safest. And I knew it at the time, but I was really, like, excited because they had an IB program. So I really wanted a really good education, and I thought that this school would be the best for me. 
So I was there for one year, and in the spring, I experienced a lot of bullying, and I just felt very unsafe in the school as well. So my parents decided, my parents and I decided together that we would um, look at other schools. So I ended up going to the school that my sister was at for middle school, for sophomore to senior year of high school. And around this time of bullying, I was also experiencing um, experiencing seasonal affective disorder, which was something that I knew ran in my family. And um, I had kind of been battling mental health for a while, and I just didn't know that I kind of had anxiety and depression. I just knew that I... And there were some things in my childhood, too, that reinforced these kind of, like, feelings. So I started to go to a therapist probably around my freshman year of high school. And through there, I was able to, like talk all about my life story and about how these things affected me and through my therapist I learned that I had um, PTSD from the break-in event which kind of became or led to anxiety, depression, seasonal affective disorder, you name it. Those are the main ones that I um, kind of struggle with still today. So I was in counseling there one-on-one and then she also had a group therapy that I was also in throughout high school which really benefited me um but I just felt like I just wasn't getting better so we started to look at medication so now I've it's taken a while a lot longer than I thought to find the perfect medication for my mental health but I'm really happy with how I am now I started seeing a psychiatrist along with my therapist who kind of worked together and through kind of trial and error a lot of error, um, we were able to find what worked for me. And throughout high school, I did have some kind of bad reactions to some of those other medications that led me to be hospitalized several times. But I think everything worked out for the best because I'm on a really great blend of medications now. And I'm really happy with the progress that I've made in therapy. I've kind of switched therapists a little bit since then. And seen a bunch of different people from cognitive behavioral therapists to just talk therapists to art therapists and now I'm back to a talk therapist. These were all really helpful for me at different stages in my life but now I found that talk therapists actually benefit me the most which everybody has a different preference on that. So I think I have a great support team in place now right now um but sorry I just skipped ahead so now I'll jump back a little bit more. So, I'm a junior in college right now, and I went to college two to three years ago when I was a freshman. And I had some concerns about going to college just because I did struggle with mental health, so I was really worried about being, like, far away from my therapist and being really homesick. So, those were all things that I kind of, like, kept with me, and I decided to live in a dorm my freshman year, which was great. I had the best roommate, the best floor mates. They really made my freshman year, and we were all really close. Um, We kind of had a little bit of a falling out at the end of my freshman year that I can get into later, but, I mean, all in all, my freshman year was pretty great. But I started to realize um, that I still had these kind of unresolved feelings. Not feelings, but this unresolved PTSD that... There were things that I didn't know that I was struggling with until I moved out and lived on my own. For example, 
I would get really, really anxious if I was just by myself, like anywhere. Like, it was good for me to have a roommate my freshman year in a dorm because I wasn't in my room by myself, but being somewhere without without myself, my I would just, I felt like I couldn't breathe. I was just terrified, like, oh my gosh, is someone going to come up behind me? And um, these issues that kind of stemmed from the break-in. So, as I got older and moved from dorm to an apartment, I really realized that there's these things that I just can't overcome in therapy, like the, um, just like the, the anxiety that I felt about being alone and, um, different kind of issues that I was having trouble with. And I knew about service dogs for PTSD because I live close to Washington, D.C., so I knew a lot about it in terms of veterans with PTSD. I didn't know that they were trained for other people with PTSD, and I always had people kind of laugh when I told them that I had PTSD because people were like, oh, only soldiers can get that. Like, people didn't seem to understand that, no, you can get PTSD from literally any traumatic experience, which I'm grateful now that I know about the service dog community because I've been able to talk to other people that have similar experiences like mine. And I mean, I'm not the only one and my issues aren't laughed at, which is great. I'm glad that I can find people that support me. So like I said, I knew about veterans with service dogs for PTSD and I started to look into it a little bit more and learned about program training and owner training. I joined several Facebook groups and I probably spent a year to two years just researching them before I felt like I had enough information and it was something that I could actually approach my parents with and talk to my therapist about throughout the whole process I was talking to her about it. So... Finally, I convinced my parents on it, and I I really looked at, like, all the different task trainings that service folks can do and found a few that I felt like would really benefit me. I met with trainers before I even got a service dog just to make sure that I was doing things right. I wanted to make sure I picked out the right breed, and I really had my heart set on a golden retriever. I just always wanted one growing up. We always had small dogs, hypoallergenic dogs, because my mom was allergic so I decided to get tested for allergies for dogs, and I found out that I was allergic to dogs. Not, like, super, but just, like, a mild allergy, so I knew that I couldn't have a golden retriever because they shed. So I thought the next best thing to go with, and my trainers agreed, was a golden doodle because I just really, really wanted a um, golden retriever and mixed with a poodle. It's not totally hypoallergenic, but they're often okay for people with mild allergies. Of course, talk to your doctors before you go getting a dog like a Golden Doodle. Um, and I know a lot of people in the service dog community don't really think that doodles are the best mix. They'd rather have poodles, but Captain, my doodle has worked out great for me. So anyways, yep. So I'm researching what breeders to get. And I knew that I wanted to get one over the summer. Because that would give me like the whole summer to train with it because I was, because I'm a a full-time student. So things just kind of like fell into place around a year ago. Around a year ago, I was seriously like researching breeders and finding different breeders. And I found one that had what they call prep school. So you could um, buy a puppy there and then pay for however many weeks of training down there you needed. So this is also great for me too, because they emailed me saying that they found the perfect one that they temperament tested and thought would be perfect. Of course, it's just a prospect at this point. 
Um, and it was great for me because it was a little bit early then before I finished school. So he was able to do four weeks of their prep school before he flew home to me at the end of May, which was when I finished my schooling for the spring semester. So things really just fell into place when I was getting captain and the breeder had produced service dogs before. So honestly, it was kind of like a miracle. Like I'm not very religious and my podcast isn't going to be religious either, but I do believe in a higher power and it sounds crazy to say, but I had prayed to a higher power. Like I really just want this to work out and and everything that I was thinking about in my head and everything that I wanted for to and all the qualities that I wanted in my service dog just came to life. Which I mean I couldn't even imagine that. He was the perfect puppy. He did so well in his training, he's still doing so well, and it was just the perfect match. I have a couple of videos up on my YouTube channel about like the day that I picked him up and um I will give you guys my YouTube name to search that. It's MJ Foy, F-O-E-R-Y. So you can go check those out. I'll mention at the end of the podcast too, all my links. But like I said, it was a perfect match, perfect breeder. Everything kind of just fell into place and I was able to work with some great trainers. And now I'm working with one that I'm so excited about. So Captain is almost a year old. We have been, I've had him since he was four months old. So he's been in training for eight months now and he's doing so well I would say he's I would say he's officially a service dog in training because he started his task training and I think we have a ways to go before he becomes a full-on service dog but I'm so proud of him and he's changed my life in so many ways that I didn't even think was possible like I've heard people talk about how much their service dog can help them but you know it's it's totally different when you have one your own and you can see how much good it brings you so I'm able to stay at my apartment alone with him now and not be too worried. I can go to, like, the library and walk around campus without being too worried with him, too. And, like I said, he's just changed my life. So, I'm so proud of him, and he's got a lot more tasks to learn, but he's doing so well. And I'm really happy that I'm his handler and that he's my service dog in training. So, I hope that gives you a good idea about our backstory and why I got him, and I think I did a pretty good job explaining it, Um, but, you know, I tried so hard in therapy to just kind of work through my issues, but once I realized that it had gotten to a point where I needed to explore other options, this was my next best option, and I'm really happy that this is what I went with. So I hope you learned a little bit about us. Um, In my next few videos, I'm going to be talking about service dog terminology and hopefully discussing a couple with a couple other handlers about what it's like to have a service dog in college and talking about different types of their dogs. So I hope you stick around. I hope you subscribe to our podcast. And if you like it or if you want to hear anything, please feel free to reach out to me. Our Instagram is Captain Service Dog. So just at Captain Service Dog. And we have a Facebook page called Service Dog Diaries Podcast. So feel free to interact with us there. And we are so excited to be able to interact with this community and learn a lot more about you and talk more about ourselves. So if you have any suggestions, if you would like to be on the show, if you have a working dog and want to be on the show, please feel free to reach out.